We are launching a new study, a new sermon series in the book of Mark. So if you have a Bible, open up to the book of Mark. And I feel like, uh, you know, launching this sermon series is really going to be, I hope, a way for those of you who are maybe new or settling back into just the rhythm of the church, uh, just to get to know who we are, where we're at, and where we're going. I feel uh, oftentimes the church, as as Connor just mentioned, it the calendar kind of breaks off in, in trimesters, and for whatever reason, fall just seems like the regathering of the church. Maybe that's in alignment with the, the festival of the harvest, where everyone just come, come back together. In Idaho, we're in McCall, or we're out in the, the mountains at our fishing spots, and then school kind of brings us all back together. Uh, this week is Labor Day, so maybe that doesn't hold true exactly. But next week is kind of the, it's, we're all settling back in now to a new routine, a new season. It's fall all the way into, into the, the darkness of winter. So it's a good time to kind of rethink who we are and where we're going. And um, we're going to do that as we've ended our summer series in the book of Ecclesiastes by looking at the gospel of Mark from now all the way up until Easter. So if we do this right, we're going to start the gospel of Mark and then we're going to have an amazing journey with it all the way until it's finished, which will take us to a celebration of how this book ends with the resurrection of Christ. And so that's the plan. To start this, I want to give a little bit of my heart, my vision for why this particular book uh, seems to be speaking to the time that we live in. So um, Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 1, we're only really going to look at a couple verses, and then I want to share a little bit more as to where we're going to be going, but we'll get to that in a minute. It says in the very first verse, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God. So there is, within that one small verse, although we read it very quickly, there is a lot to unpack that will really set the course for where this story of Christ and his earthly ministry is going to unfold. And what it starts with is one of the reasons I think it's worth studying the book. It says, in the beginning. And there are times throughout our journey with God and the life that he's given us where even though we're past the beginning, it draws us back to the beginning. So with the very first encounter that you'll have with the word of God, it says, in the beginning, before you know the story of God, the word reveals how it all started, which was with the word of God, the universe comes into existence. And in the gospel of Mark, he's taking us back to how all of this started for the person of Jesus sent into the world as Savior and Lord of the world. Now, why is that worth studying? Um, to, before I explain it for the context of our study, let me give maybe an analogy for all of us to look at. Uh, my wife and I, and this is an analogy that is from my own life, my wife and I this fall, so actually this month, September 22nd, we are celebrating our 10-year wedding anniversary, which is... So excited. Familiar faces. It's true what it says in Ecclesiastes that life is just a moment of time. It's like the wind. How did 10 years come and go so fast? 
I don't know, but here I am trying to figure out how to honor this moment in my marriage with my wife. And as the leader, it's like, I want to do this well. So I'm brainstorming, right? The last, really the approach to this is like, what do I do? And so the first thought is like, let's just get away. Let's just escape the, the busyness of life and just spend some time together. We'll find uh, a babysitter for the kids. If any of you babysit, just a quick show of hands. And... <laughs> We'll just get away for a couple of months, and then we'll come back refreshed. And there's certainly time to do that. But what I realized is that these 10 years have included so many layers of God's provision and God's grace and God adding to our family and adding to what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to serve him and the church. And there's so many layers that are good things, but they can almost become a distraction from the primary thing which is that 10 years ago, my wife and I, just her and I, made a commitment before God and one another to love each other unconditionally until the end. And so it dawned on me that rather than, you know, try to get away and just kind of recapture that moment, uh, we're actually going to do a renewing of the vow. We're, I, I had the kids loaded up on one morning on the way to school, and I had like a 30-second window to, to be a romantic man of God, and I got on one knee. I said, hey, before we drop these kids off, well, I've got your attention for one minute. Will you remarry me? And she's like, yeah, I guess. I was like, cool. Let's renew the vows. This is how we're going to celebrate. And the, I, the concept of that is now, since we've kind of made that plan, is really important. Because you can go through life with the person you love, the people that you love, the way that God has provided for your life according to your own prayers. And you can get so far down the line that you forget where you came from. So what we're going to do is we're going to remember the very first vows that we made to each other. And we're going to remember the simplicity of our beginning. I, I'm loving just the, the concept after 10 years of looking back and looking at the old photos and thinking of the journey of God and how simple it starts. And a, a pull back to that to say, after 10 years, I still love you unconditionally until death do us part. And I share that because when I think about the people of God for the time that he's placed us, we've, he's appointed our boundaries and the places of our dwelling so that we could seek him and find him and that we would be the lights of the world for the time that we live in. And so often, following Jesus comes with the simple beginning. We love him. Uh, I think of this message in the very beginning, just for last week, when we, we had a call to receive Christ and make a public declaration, and we invite all the people to the water to either be a witness or to be the ones who show the beginning of the gospel is to go into the water representing the death of your old life and to come out representing the newness of life to walk in and how fast it wears off. Even in one week, you can think back and think, wow, I was so excited in the beginning. And then work and coworkers and commutes and careers and homework and all of the things that get layered. And we live in a time where our world is being pulled apart at the seams. And what it means to be a follower of Christ can come with so many layers and how to have a lens for politics, a lens for culture, a lens for uh, neighborhoods, a lens for your own family, all good things that God wants you to grow in, but it's never without the very first thing, which is the beginning of simply knowing and following Jesus as Lord. And I, I, I love this call that Mark gives us. This is the beginning of the gospel. 
This is the, the, the moment in time when God sent his son to invade the world to bring what is called the good news at its very core. Before ministry and the, the, the pass off to the disciples who would start the church, before the church grew and expanded for 2,000 years, before we figured out how to have stages and songs and sermon series and ministries and outreaches, which are all good things. But the primary thing is that Jesus came and he showed us the way to live and the way to die and the way to have eternal life. And so as a church, when we think about what God is doing in our time and generation, we're going to spend a season to go right back to the beginning of who is Jesus? How did he live? How did he teach us to live? And what was he all about in the window of time that was recorded as our window of his life? Some of you, I hope as I prayed through this, some of you are going to discover who Jesus is in the most real and radical way for the very first time. You came to church and maybe you still see church as all of the layers. You see it as a stage and preachers and writer, songwriters and, and all of the things that come with the church. And for some of you, you just need to know that before any of this, the primary mission of the church is so that you would know Jesus and the gospel that he represents and some of you, it's going to be not a discovery, but a rediscovery. As I've been reading this over and over again and just thinking about what it would mean to go through this from now until Easter and sharing the good news that we get to read about and experience in the teachings of Christ, I am rediscovering who Jesus is in my life. I'm rediscovering my own beginnings when I met him for the first time. And he was no longer a historical figure or a religious figure, but he was a living person that I met through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want all of us to either discover or rediscover the person of Christ in our lives. And as we do that, we will rediscover the worship of Christ and rediscover the commandments of Christ and how to follow Christ. And so that is the, the first emphasis of this study is to take us back to the beginning. And, and the Gospel of Mark then gives us another key word that we're going to continue to unpack in our study, which is the gospel. That simply put, we're going to say it as many times as we need to, there is, in fact, because of Christ and what he came to represent to the world as the light of God's love and salvation, there is good news. And it's another reason to study this book right now, because we live in a time where it doesn't feel like the news is always good. And I probably don't have to tell you that, but it's in all of the ways that we need to go back to the beginning for our first love of God. There's a way that we also need to go back to the beginning that we actually do believe that when you encounter Christ, that when you belong to his perfect will for your life, it will be good news for your life. There is hope. There's joy, there's satisfaction, there is purpose and meaning when you give your life to following the person of Jesus that we're going to discover and rediscover in this. And maybe that is uh, on the heels of what we just studied. So how many of you were here for our, our, our series through Ecclesiastes? I'm sure many of you were because we're not a brand new church and we were doing it three weeks ago. But one of the hard and challenging parts about studying a book like Ecclesiastes and we pointed this out, was that one of the intended purposes of that book is to point out all of the way that life is, in fact, meaningless. That you can live so many ways in the approach to life, in the short window that you have. And Ecclesiastes time and time again said, vanity. It gives us the picture of chasing the wind. You can live your life 
in church, in business, in education, in marriage, in family, and you can live altogether meaningless existence if you do not know the purpose of life in Jesus. And I, I think of that specifically because as I was studying the Gospel of Mark and starting to read some of the commentaries surrounding it, I found this quote, and it reminds me of where we just came from. If you take, if you take away Jesus, if you have none of his teaching, if there is no death and no resurrection, what are you left with? You are left with nothing but the chasing of the wind and vanity. In other words, the book of Ecclesiastes. Eat and drink while you can, for tomorrow you will die. The gospel is the good news that life isn't meaningless. And so as we've studied and laid the groundwork for so many things that we can do to waste our life, now it's time for us to replace all of the vain pursuits with the person of Christ, knowing that there will be not one bad thing that as you follow Christ and give him to your life, that he cannot turn together and turn it into good news. And so again, I appeal to the baptisms. Last week, after this service, there's a, there's a common thread when you get to know the person that's going to, about to go into the water. And you say, what brings you to the river? Or you say, what brings you to the, the baptism trough at Calvary Boise? And it's always a moment where they realized that apart from God, they did not know what they were doing with their life. It's a moment of tragedy or heartbreak or disappointment or confusion or reluctance or an unknown aim of their life that they now want to bury into the water and come alive with the power of Christ. And that's why this is good news that the, the storyline of each individual life in this sanctuary and the storyline of every headline news article that is awaiting it for us as bad news by this gospel, that Jesus came, he lived, he overcame the power of sin and death and left it in the grave. Everything now can be filtered through the lens of gospel good news. And we are, as Jesus will say, now the agents of that. We are the light in the darkness that he came to pass on to us. So we're going to be revived in the beginning and the gospel. And then finally, as you got a bulletin on the way in, you actually see the phrase that is going to, is going to be the title of our journey through the gospel of Mark. It says, the way of the Lord. And it comes from the very beginning of this gospel account. The gospel writer Mark starts off in, a, in, in kind of a different emphasis than the other gospel writers, where in Matthew you get a genealogy, in John you get in the beginning was the word, and in, in Luke you're going to get the story of Christmas unfolding with some, with some prequel. In Mark he gets right into it. And he says, this is the beginning. As it is written in the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And this is an interesting introduction because really what you find in the gospel of Mark is a version of the life of Jesus that is all about the way that he lived. Where other accounts in the Gospels give us the words of Christ. We get long dissertations of how he taught and the things that he spoke. In other Gospel accounts, we get the prayers of Christ. We get the, the, an inside of, to the heart of Christ into how he cried out to the Father in heaven. In the Gospel of Mark, it's the shortest and most condensed Gospel because it's all about the ways of Christ. 
It's the action-packed gospel. In fact, as we read through this as a church, one word that you're going to see come up over and over and over again is the word immediately. Because he goes through a, a collage of the different life moments as Jesus interacts with people who are far off, people who are religious, people who needed healing, people who needed forgiveness, people who needed wisdom, and all of it, he says, and immediately Jesus did this. Immediately he calls them. Immediately they follow him. Immediately they drop their nets. And Again, as we think about the time and the place that we live in, what we need, what I believe the gospel of Mark will, will bring us to a point of, is not just another lesson about Jesus. The, the, the lessons of Jesus are at your fingertips everywhere. There is a lot of people saying a lot of things about Jesus. In fact, you are here as a, an, an act of obedience to the call to fellowship in the body of Christ and to worship corporately. But if it was just for a lesson, you could all be on your own privately studying the, the words of Jesus through a million different ways that you have access to the incredible information age that we live in. And Jesus can be consumed as information. But one of the reasons I find it so helpful to look at all of this as the way of the Lord is because one thing that I hope will happen as we study and the Holy Spirit compels us to follow Jesus more intimately is that we would actually experience more of the ways of the Lord. What is he doing to send us beyond our sanctuary gathering where we get to celebrate and just the comfort and joy of this place? And how do we leave here studying and listening on Sunday the ways and then walking the ways of Jesus? And so, practically speaking, and one of the reasons the youth is with us this morning, um, I would like to approach our introduction to the Gospel of Mark in almost a holistic way for our church. And so, rather than me give our first full sermon, our 40 to 45 minutes, no longer than 50, if we're over an hour, you can get up and leave sermon. And we're actually going to, uh, I'm going to invite a few of our pastors up to give some perspective on the different ways that I hope that this will invade beyond Sunday and will take us to the streets and to the different ministries that aren't in this sanctuary right now. So uh, pastor brothers, come on up and I'm going to uh, spend just a minute talking to them about how the gospel of Mark will be something that we do that goes beyond our Sunday gathering. So if you guys would come up now and welcome onto the panel stage this morning some key guys in our church. I feel like this is a good time to also think about the who we are, the beginnings of, of our church or, or how we all got here. If some of you are new, I'm sure you are and you've settled into the city of Boise and you're kind of aligned with that timeline of the kickoff of fall. Uh, consider this a great weekend to join us because I'm going to introduce you to some of our pastors and I'm going to introduce you to uh, some of the perspective that they're going to bring. I hope that will help us as a church figure out the ways of Christ beyond Sunday. So, um, We've already lost one. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll start uh, with the guy directly to my left. This is Noah Beamer. Noah, what do you do for Calvary Boise? And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit of how long you've been doing that. Um, I've been here on staff for 10 years. And uh, currently I'm overseeing the worship ministry and to be the worship pastor. And it's, yeah, it's been a joy. It's been awesome to be able to help build teams and just create moments where we can worship and pray and just respond to God and his goodness. And so, yeah, it's been an honor to do that. And yeah, well, when I think about 10 some years, when I think about my beginnings, at least in ministry, I can't help but think about Noah because uh, God called us to really partner together 
10 years ago when we started the district coffee shop. Uh, it was a discipleship house. I lived there for a second. Noah helped launch it. And then we started a church service out of that. I see some of you from that church service. And I've been the preacher, and he's been the, the, the singer. And for, for whatever reason, we've just continued in that 10 years by God's grace. But uh, love our beginnings, and here we are. So Amen. let's see what God does for another 10 years. Maybe we should renew our vows. <laughs> I'll think about it. Think about it, yeah. Think about it. Okay. So, Kirk. I, yes, yeah, I'm Kirk Kreger. I um, uh, oversee our communities and mission a little bit here at Calvary Boise. Uh, I've been here this time, year and a half, but I was from the old days, Longmont, uh, on Longmont Street off Broadway, many, 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 many years ago. Um, was there and uh, really just have been privileged to kind of see uh, not the beginnings of the church, but really the beginnings of different phases of Calvary Boise, and then to be at this stage with you now, Tucker, so it's great. Well, again, I'm, I'm thinking about my beginnings, and I just want to encourage all of you, um, after first service, I was like, man, let's just think back to how we met Jesus, how we first read the Gospels and encountered Christ, not just as a, 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 a person that we've heard about, or, but we really knew him, and I, I encourage all of you, after first service, people were coming up to me and being like, man, I remember reading Gospel of Mark for the first time, or I remember deciding to follow Jesus. And so in the themes of beginnings, um, maybe the, uh, the beginning point with, with a journey I had with the Bible was Kirk coming into Eagle High School, go Mustangs, in the, the late 90s and inviting me to a little Bible study in the Mormon Seminary building. And that was one of the very first Bible studies I ever took part in. So in just thinking about the beginnings, uh, Kirk was right there with me. So thank you for doing that. Uh, Parker, tell us a little bit about yourself and your relationship to this, uh, this church. Yeah. Um, so my name is Parker O'Shea. I'm the high school youth pastor, and I have been for a little bit, almost 10 years. Almost. What the heck? It's an exciting wow. time. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. Wow. Okay, that, that yeah. was a moment right there. Um, but yeah, so I gave my life to the Lord when I was in college, and um, this was the first church I came to. I came to the college group that was meeting here. Um, after that, that weekend trip to, to visit that friend and his family, um, I was like, what does it look like to follow Christ? And he said, well, let's start going to church together. So we came to the college ministry that was meeting here about 12, 13 years ago now. Yeah. And um, it's been a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and now... And uh, my, my, my theme of beginnings with you, if I could, if yeah, I could please. do this right now. Yes. Um, Tucker actually led the first Bible study I was ever a part of. So Engage Truth was happening, and it was a, a worship service. And then, uh, f- what, what was Faith the? Invaders. Faith Invaders, that's yeah, what it was. This guy's to, very creative with a good names, name. So. <laughs> we should start the Faith Invaders again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah then, and then this young guy walked in, and, and I, that's how I first met you, is yeah. at that little Bible study. And I, as we think about this call to the beginning of the gospel, I want you guys to just share maybe as, as you think about those initial points of faith, how reading a gospel, you open the word, um, kind of gave you an entry point into following Jesus. And so discovering him for the first time, what, what, what does this make you guys think of? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll just, I'll just keep going with, with my story. I gave my life to Christ in a little bit north of Seattle. Uh, my freshman year of college, and then um, came back, started going to church, and it was about six months later, um, my buddy really encouraged me. He moved back to Washington, so 
I was kind of on my own apart from the, the church family here and trying to figure out what it looked like to follow Jesus. And he encouraged me to read one of the gospels. And I didn't pick Mark. I should have picked Mark, but I did pick mm. Matthew. And it was also okay. very good because well, same it worked. guy. It was about it Jesus and it was very amazing. Yeah. And, um, but I ran across the passage. I said, you cannot serve God and mammon. And I had no idea what that meant. And so I asked the college-age pastor at that time, Pablo, who's a mentor and a coach for me in so many ways and what it meant to follow Christ. And he basically explained, that's, that's the riches of this world. you, you got to pick one or the other. And I knew why I was studying what I was studying at Boise State. Is it was, I, I thought that that would provide the life that I was looking for um, in primarily financial provision. And so... Uh, in that moment, I, I felt convicted. And, and I think for one of the first times in my life, hearing God's voice directly to me from his word, saying, you've got to pick one or the other. And so um, after that, I made a decision that I, I just wanted Jesus, and I didn't know what that looked like, but I wanted all that he had for me. And that was a, a very influential time in my life that affected the trajectory of my life in a lot That's of ways. Awesome. There will be, I hope for all of us, the Gospel of Mark, I hope, at times will challenge us, like you were challenged by the Gospel, to decide who you actually follow. Yeah. I think of the moment where Jesus coming up, in one of our teachings, we'll get to this, he says that, what profit is a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And we'll all have a version of that, I hope, where we say, okay, back at the beginning, I was willing to give you everything. Yeah. And if I'm going back to the beginning with Christ, it's that verse will come alive again. What, what profit am I after with this world if I don't actually have an intense love for who God is in my life? So amazing example that I hope some of us will be able to relate to soon. Go ahead, Kirk. Yeah. Um, I just think of this time in my life where I was college age as well. And um, I was living in like an unofficial frat house, I guess, down in, by Boise State on University Drive that has now been demolished, probably for good reason. <laughs> um, and I just, I remember being there, I was in this moment in life where um, I was searching out what did it mean to follow Jesus. I, I didn't have a church connection, uh, had encountered a couple different people, and so I was there, and in my living room, crazy things were happening, just chaotic and drugs and, and all sorts of stuff. And, and I remember just kind of retreating to my bedroom, and I found a Bible, picked up a Bible, and just reading the gospel and seeing Jesus like flip over tables. And just thought, dude, this guy's serious. And then and also seeing Jesus uh, call out and say, hey, if you're heavily burdened and you're you know, laden down, if you, if you are feeling the weight, come to me and I'll give you peace. And I was just like, yes, I need, I need a shakeup in my life, and I also need that, that peace. And so um, through that, really not through an evangelist or through um, a church service, but through reading the words of the gospel, like Jesus encountered me there. And so that's, that's what I think about, just the power of even just reading through the gospel. I, I love the invitation from Christ in the word that, again, the reason to study this is for us to be invited back into that just intimate time with Jesus. And then all of this stuff, I hope, will become gravy, but the primary love of Christ. So, Noah, what, what's your encounter with Christ through the Gospels? I mean, it, it's similar, I guess, in ways. I grew up, you know, in a great Christian home, was introduced to the Gospel at an early age and, and heard it and knew it, believed it. Uh, but really, it was my, my point of conversion with Christ where he challenged me to live for him. And so he kind of took... That to a next level of just, hey, it's so great that you believe in me, Noah, but will you live for me? And so I, I joined a Bible school, and I ended up going through their program, ended up in Europe, got spit out in the south of France, and got 
the responsibility to teach through one of the Gospels. And that was my first time really handling it, I'd say. I'd read it. I knew the stories. Um, but now I was kind of charged to study it and teach other people. And, and the book of Mark was the Gospel That's that awesome. was, was given to me. And so that was... Um, life-changing and transforming for me because now I was chewing on it in a new way and experiencing Jesus and that call all the way back to my conversion when he said, will you live for me, started to really come out in those action sta- statements because immediately, and he was just moving. It's, it's the gospel of action. you know. It's like an action-packed movie in a way. You just get to see all these amazing highlights. And, and it drove me back to that point where I met Christ. And he was like, hey, will you live for me? And this is what that looks like, following the way of Jesus. And so that, that book just stood out more than anything, really, as far as the Gospels go, because of that moment with Jesus, my encounter, and then getting to teach through it and share it with other people, the, the things that he was doing and what that lifestyle looked like. As we you know, prepare ourselves from now until Easter, um, we're going to just go story by story in the Word, and I'm just wondering if you guys can give maybe a little forecast, some, some preview. What are some moments in the Gospel of Mark that... Uh, kind of stand out as highlights that you're excited for for us to get to and, and really uh, the expectation of, wow, we're going we're gonna to go through that and, and this is how maybe God will use that. So do you guys have some moments in the Gospel of Mark to preview us with? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, if you guys got a Bible, if you want to open up to Mark chapter 3 and we'll check out just a couple verses, 13 and 14. And this is a passage, um, the high schoolers, should be in this room. If they're not, then they're hanging out with middle school students right now, which would be cool too. But um, if you guys are, are in the youth ministry, if you've come around the youth ministry, then I'm sure you've heard us work through this passage a couple different times, because this is a passage that the Lord has used in my life to, to bring a lot of refreshing and reminding of God's heart for me and God's heart for his people at a couple different, like really key moments in my life. But Mark chapter three, verse 13 and 14 says this, it says, and he went up on the mountain And he called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And I love, I love, I love this passage because this is the moment where Jesus is, he's calling people to himself and they're responding and they're saying, yes, I will follow you. And then there's this specific 12 that he sets aside, but then it says something super important. And I think the order really matters is it says that, they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And I think that is so, so beautiful of this picture of God's heart for us when he says, come and follow me. His primary desire is that we would share an intimate relationship with him. And from that, there's an overflow of him saying, okay, now I've got something for you to go and and I want you to preach. I want you to share. I want you to proclaim what the world around you. And so for me, that's really centered me at different times where I think, Life is about me just doing everything I can for Jesus. And yes, but it's secondary to the first thing of just being with him and allowing that to be an overflow. Amen. That's awesome. And I definitely love that you're modeling that for, um, I don't know if you guys know, but Parker kind of helps raise up young preachers and young teachers of the word in our church. And I know that that is your heart's desire is that we're not trying to 
teach kids how to preach just for, you know, the, the sake of it, but to really know Jesus and then as an overflow, share it. And so hopefully that will be something that we see in all of our lives growing in. Kirk, do you have a, I see you flipping through your Bible there, bud. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking. Um, Mark was the first gospel that I, I taught as well. So along with Noah and uh, I think you mentioned that Tucker as well. So yeah. like, yeah, we're, we're yeah. united here. I, I think you did not teach I did Mark, not. did you? We did, I did the book of John though. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I, I love this gospel for that reason. I, I remember teaching, I was in England and church plant, same reason as you're saying, like the beginnings, like getting into, like, let's just look at Jesus and who he is. And um, one of the areas also in Mark 3 in verse 31, if you guys want to look at that as well, uh, 31 to 35, it's kind of this enigmatic kind of encounter Jesus has with his family. And, and it says here, that his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him and called him and a crowd was sitting around him and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of God. He is my brother, my sister, and my mother. And I just, I love this for so many reasons. Uh, one of the reasons I love it is because I actually kind of like that Jesus is this enigmatic kind of figure that people can't figure out, right? I, I think that there's something about Jesus in this where my experience in life has been uh, like the disciples in the Gospel of Mark. You'll see this over and over again. They're just like, hmm, what's he saying? What's he doing? We don't quite get it. And, and um, he's saying things like the first will be last, so the greatest will be the servant in my kingdom later in Mark 9. And I think all of that, and, and this is one, to me, like the, one of the key passages that expresses that, like, who wouldn't love your family? Like, we, you were talking about your marriage relationship earlier. Like, I love my wife, I love my kids, but there's more than that. There's a kingdom of God, and, and there is something here, and, and I've experienced that throughout the years of my life where um, Jesus's kingdom, his family, is my highest priority, and I love that. And so I love seeing Jesus lead us in ways that we're not expecting, and even that are countercultural a little bit. So cool, yeah. yeah what, a, what an interesting concept, especially as we think about where we are as a culture and so much tension and divide. And it's like Jesus predicted that the world would not be clean and safe, but that He would provide this this community of people that would somehow be united. And so we're going to see that as we get there. Noah, what, what, are, you, what are you thinking? Um, what, what's popped out to me over the years of, of Mark is honestly the, the Mount uh, Transfiguration when they go up to the mountain. And um, chapter 9, if you guys want to read, uh, we're not going to read the whole passage, but you guys kind of, if you know the story a little bit where Jesus goes up and he is glorified, the couple of disciples get to see him in his glory. And so in verse 2 it says, uh, chapter 9, and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And I just, I just stopped there because um, if, you, if you zoom then to verse 9, after this moment, and, and, and Peter wants to build these tents to just live up there and just and honor what happened. But verse 9 says, and then they were coming down the mountain. And I just... I just stop at both those things, the going up and the coming down. And I just got done. I was just off in the mountains for a week this last week with my family. And we kind of do like a trimester little reflection time and prayerfully kind of plan for the next one. And um, 
I shut my phone off for a majority of that time, and I made it five days this time. That's wow. my new record. So <laughs> five days with the phone off. It's, okay. it's wild. Um, if you want to try something crazy, <laughs> go for it. Um, but I, I, I just I got to have that mountaintop experience in some way with my family. We were doing devotionals each morning, and we were just getting to be out in nature. And just it's like you're unplugged from regular life. And it's just like, God, this is awesome. Can I just live here? And every year we go up there, I'm always like, maybe we should just buy a place here and live here. And, and, and I'm literally like verbatim saying what Peter said in a lot of ways. I'm like, can we just set up camp and stay here? And, and God always reminds me gently, but he's just like, no, no, they can't. That's not the point. The point is not to live for these highs, these mountaintop experiences. Enjoy them. They're, they're inspirational and they're, and they're life-giving and they're refreshing and you need them. But the real part, the real work, the maturity is to actually go down and to go back into the valley and go back to work and be, and be focused on me and, and, well, and realize that I'm just as present. As you'll read through the book of Mark in Mark 6, which we didn't mention, it's, it's a highlight reel for many of us as well. But, you know, he goes in and he takes the, the disciples through these, this gauntlet of things, really. And the whole premise is like, hey, just realize I'm present with you this whole time. I'm always with you. And so he charges us to go back down the mountain. He gives us these opportunities and mountaintop experiences. But then he, the real test, I guess, is to go back and <laughs> to go back to the work. And I remember we were driving home. It was Friday or Saturday. We we're coming home and I turned my phone back on and it just starts lighting up like a Christmas tree with all <laughs> the wonderful messages that people send. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I felt like the anxiety level going up as I turned the phone back on and, and I was like, oh Lord, like this is it. And like this is the moment. And and he we had talked about talking through Mark and what passage I wanted to share. And I'm like, I think I have to share that one <laughs> because I'm literally like living it right now mm. in my heart of just like, okay, God, I I want to go back and I want to have a perspective that I I see this as the work. And this is what you created us for. You created us to do this work down here in the valley. And yes, we need to get away. Yes, we need to be refilled. But, um, but we were made to do this. We were made to be here, down Amen. here, and serving each other and loving each other and, and going through the dirt and the hard stuff. So. Wow. Well, Mark 9, everybody. That was <laughs> That's incredible. The whole thing right there. I, uh, no, as you were saying that, I think it, it's really interesting to where we are as the people of God. I think there is a, a desire. I don't think Peter is, is, or you are unique in this desire to experience the transfigured Christ and just yeah. live there, which, yeah. by the way, we will. <laughs> yes, you know, there will comes. be a moment when we all experience the glory of God that blows us away for how rich it is. And we will. That is going to be where God finally allows us to worship him forever. And, and sometimes I feel like we, but we do want it now. We want Sunday to just be, man, Christ glorified so richly that we just love him more and more and we desire to be with him, which is good. And then he says, now get out of my sanctuary, <laughs> you know, like go, go back into the places that you live and you work and you walk and learn how to get off of the, the spiritual mountaintop and get into the ways of the Lord in, in the ways that he has waiting for And us. I think I'm just spiritually selfish or something because I just want more of those mountaintops. Well, things. yeah, and I'm sure that's, you know, you don't get the, the streets without the sanctuary, but I think if all we want is to learn about Christ and experience the joy of corporate worship and just the, the, the amazing way that we can figure out how to experience the richness of who he is, um, it is lacking what the ways of the Lord are because he didn't model that. He modeled a, 
I'm coming to walk and to be with people and to minister to them in their needs. And so I think that this world is longing for the people of God to come off the mountain. And we, and we need to do that. So with that theme in mind, this is the next question that I want you guys to really wrestle with me over and all of us. Because if we are going to study this, this gospel with the, the lens of the ways of the Lord, um, one, we've, we've got to be open to the ways of the Lord being different than our assumptions or the way that we want them to be. And really, I, why is this so important in the cultural moment that we live in? In 2022 and into 2023, why is it worth saying we want to live out the ways of the Lord now more than ever? Jump in as you have an answer. These guys. <laughs> Anybody else? Um, yeah, I, I would say just what you said is I, I didn't grow up within the church. And so I had a lot of mixed messages about who Jesus was and a whole lot of like, I really had no idea. And I think we could all probably agree that there's a lot of misconceptions about who Jesus is from people who are on the outside, even, even within this own room. And I think that to me, if we can spend a couple months intentionally just looking at the life of Jesus and listening to his words, but also seeing how he lived for us, I, I don't know how we couldn't benefit from that for our own life, if we're willing to live it out also, instead of let it just live in a headspace, because there are people who in this world are desperate to know who Jesus is, and we've got that opportunity to show them and to live it and also to communicate clearly. But if we're wrestling with our own misconceptions or mixed messages, because I heard from this person, this is what Jesus like, and I read from this book, this is what, I think if we can just look at his life and spend time meditating and processing that, that it'll do a lot to correct some, some stuff within our own heart and our Amen. own mind. Yeah, and I, and I think too, just to, I guess, piggyback on that was, is that we, we, might, we might know the story or be familiar with it, but the, the action points of like living it out, I think is what keeps getting highlighted for me for our culture today of like, we, we have access to so many things and ways to learn things and know things, but to actually do it, to step out of your house and walk next to your neighbor's house and talk to them or, or whatever that is that God puts on our heart, like to actually live out these principles and these examples and to do it. Um, I think will exercise us in a way spiritually that maybe that we, we've grown numb to or just fat and lazy to, you know, um, spiritually. So I think that's what I'm excited for, for our culture. And as we go on a journey together as a church to say, how, what are the action steps and points? How do we practically live this out in our communities, our homes, our, our work? Um, Amen. Kirk, anything to add? Um, I guess it's worth sharing. I think that we're in maybe a cultural moment where everybody is thinking, um, we have deconstructed to some certain level where nobody knows the right way to do anything almost anymore. And, and people are hesitant to even say that there is a way to do something, whether it's marriage, family, uh, whatever the cultural thing. I, I, so I think in a way, like, I mean, I, I think people even don't even many, there's a lot of classes that are even teaching people how to do simple things like how to adult, like how to like cook meals, how to, I, no offense to any young people, like I don't cook very well either. But all I say is like, we used to have like home economics class. I remember back in ninth grade in, in high school. But all I'd say is like, there's a way in which everybody is kind of positioning now and propositioning a way of life. And if we can answer the culture and say, no, um, there are many opinions, but this actually is 
the way of the Lord. This is the life of Jesus that he lived that is the good life of Ecclesiastes lived out with intention and with the good news of the gospel. And also, this is what it looks like to have a community of people, to live in a certain way. This is what relationships look like. This is what, this is the way. I think people are actually longing for that. People are longing in some ways to be told, not in a dictatorial way, but just in a, in a servant way, this is the way to live. Follow this. You'll flourish. You'll do well. Amen. So, yeah. And even as you're saying that, I, I hope that one of the the ways that we grow as a church is to not only know the way, but to live it boldly. And I mentioned this specifically to the college age who sits all through here in first service, but for all of us to know, yes, there is in fact a way, and it will be, as you study the life of Christ, it will be met with opposition, it will be met with doubt and criticism, and yet it is the only way to actually overcome and be victorious is to follow the way of Christ. So may we, you know, beginning with just this little expose in the gospel of Mark, but when we study this, may we study it to know it and then to be emboldened to live it because it will be the benefit of joy, satisfaction, peace in your life, but it will be challenging and it will be difficult. It will require the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So uh, the challenges are waiting for us, but may the way of the Lord be something that we learn to be uh, living. Um, before I get into the final question I have for you guys, I want to do a quick um, just a disclaimer, we have from this Sunday until Easter, uh, which is April, anybody know 8th? I believe April 8th or 9th is Easter. Um, you guys write on the comment cards if I was wrong. And then uh, the week after is actually April 15th, so that's tax day. That will be the end of our sermon series. We're going to send everyone in through the Great Commission to tell everyone their spiritual debt has been canceled and that there's good news on April 15th. Um, but that gives us about 25 sermons, 25 Sundays on the... Oh, the ninth, okay. And Stat Boy over here is telling me April 9th. Thank you, Stat Boy. Um, April 9th is Easter. We have 25 Sundays to be in the Gospel of Mark, and that will not be nearly enough. I mean, we could be in the Gospel of Mark for the rest of our lives. So I want to encourage all of you as we think about going beyond the Sunday sermon, as we think about the ways of the Lord in your own life, one thing I want to encourage you to do is to study this. To, to be in the word, to, to choose this as your time with the Lord so that we grow together. And as, as much as you need a supplement to do that, I'm going to point out once again, I've said this before, but John Whitaker's listener's commentary is actually an amazing guide to studying the Bible with some uh, spiritual help or some guide. And he goes to our church. He usually sits right over here. So he's not here today. He's actually teaching another church. But I, I just want to let you know, God's provided us with a brother in Christ who loves Jesus. He has a doctorate degree for whatever it's worth in studying the Bible. And he goes verse by verse through the gospel of Mark. And so uh, we're going to use that as a pastoral team just to kind of know what, uh, what the Gospel of Mark says beyond our just reading of it. And I encourage you guys to listen to that. I found it very helpful in my own life. And now for the question of going beyond Sundays for you guys, um, I invited each one of these guys, not all of our pastors or all of our leaders, uh, but just as a, a good scope of different kind of areas of our church. And so we've got the youth, we've got community life and missions, we've got worship and prayer. And I want to ask you guys uh, how you hope that the study of the gospel of Mark will 
impact or build up your area of ministry. So Park, uh, for the youth and for all that God's calling you to do to serve our church, how are you hoping to unite us in this? Yeah, I'm super excited. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted the high school students to sit in this service specifically is because I wanted to talk to you guys for a second along with your families. Um, and for anybody who knows high school or middle school age people, so pretty much I hope the vast majority of us. Yes. Um, the middle school, Reggie oversees the middle school. He's going to be going through the book of Mark also. They're going to be doing it specifically on Wednesday nights though. Um, for the high school students, we're going to be going through the book of Mark on Sunday mornings. And one of the intentions behind that is I think it's just beneficial for us as a church family to literally be on the same page as we're going through the word, specifically for parents with younger students. We get this, I, I, I would say it's, it's a privilege, it's a blessing for us to have some individualized places where we can speak directly into the application of that season of life, but it shouldn't end there and it can't end there. Our hope is that as we're processing Mark chapter one, verses one through eight next week in here, and we're doing that with the high school students and the middle, middle school students, that as families, you guys can have some intentional conversations about how God is speaking to you as individuals and as a family collectively as you work through God's word, specifically the book of Mark. Um, and also for the high school students in the room right now, I think it's really beneficial for us to be reminded that the high school ministry is not a separate church. <laughs> this is our church. We, we are one body together. And for the high school students in the room, this is your church. And once a month, we're going to ask the high school students to come in and sit on a Sunday service because we found it really challenging that transition from high school age into the college age, young adult age. And we have a college ministry, which is incredible. And there's amazing things happening. But their heart and their intention is to link together the whole body. And so my hope is that on Sunday mornings, high school students, when they graduate, when they move on beyond high school, that they would feel like, oh, I, I understand that this is my church, and, and they're, they're preaching the same messages even. And so a couple different intentions with that for families to be able to have some conversations and for the high school students to understand that this is our church. This, this is your family also. Amen. Thanks for doing that, Parker. That was one of the main reasons Parker and I got together and thought, man, how can we work together uh, just in service of the sanctuary and the, and the youth room to just bring unity to the families of our church. And so this is one of the ways of many that we hope uh, God will open that door. Kirk, what do you got? Okay. Um, I uh, obviously, like we said, oversee our Calvary communities, which are like a home groups, community groups, life groups, house churches, whatever you want to call them. Um, and so for that, I, I, one of the ways you'll see in Mark, I, I think, I, I hope you'll see this, is that the disciples, it says over 10 times, they were either like um, amazed by what was happening with Jesus or shocked or afraid even. And, and there's this kind of messy community where the, that you see happen. And, and even some of their interactions, they, they interact and like they'll rebuke each other and correct each other in awkward ways. And, but through all of that, they are being led to be God's people together and to work through things and to be shaped into the way of Jesus just like he is exampling for them. So um, I guess what I'm hoping is that uh, we'll actually do this. And so just shameless plug, Friday the 16th of uh, this month, so I think it's about a week and a half or, or so, we're having our fall communities kickoff. If you're not in a community group, we'd love you to come, and we're going to have a big meal in the lobby. We'll do some worship, short teaching, and then help to the existing groups to get reinvigorated and then also get people connected. And, and so I, I would hope that um, 
you know, a lot of the reasons that people don't want to do that and go from Sunday to the circles of smaller communities is because it's hard and it's awkward. But I hope you see that that's just a reality and that's good for you. And that, uh, in fact, I'd say there's something missing and lacking in your life if, if you don't do that. And, and that's not to condemn you at all, but just to say, I hope you will get into messy, awkward community and, and learn to live with other people and have some interesting situations. Amen. Um, Amen. So, and then yeah. the, la- the last thing about, um, you know, missions, I just wanted to say this, and that is that throughout the gospel, as we said of Mark, it, it says that Jesus was a man of action. Immediately he did this, immediately he did this, he moved on. And so I want to encourage you, we, we put out a brochure for mission trips. Um, not that that's the only way to be on mission. We encourage our community groups to reach out to their neighborhoods as well. But all I'd say is like, I've learned so much just by going on mission trips and, and doing mission. Uh, one of the first things I learned how to pray and see God provide for me financially by going on a mission trip. I learned how to see God open doors of ministry where the gospel would be uh, preached by going on short-term mission trips or doing that locally. And so all I'd say to you is I hope that you'll join also the mission of God because that's what we see Jesus do and that you will actually get involved in action in the way of Jesus. And I have one quote before I pass over to Noah. Um, Maybe you've heard of D.L. Moody. He was a famous evangelist in the 1800s. And uh, one time somebody criticized his way of doing evangelism, and this is what he said. He said, it's clear that you don't like my way of doing evangelism. You raise some good points. Frankly, I sometimes do not like my way of doing evangelism either. But I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. And so (laughs) I think that's a challenge and kind of offensive, but in a good way, right? Because like... Jesus will do this, and he'll call us all to say, like, hey, immediately do this. And so I want to, I hope we see that. I hope we see lots of immediate action taking place. Amen. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, Kirk. Noah, do you have anything to add as the organizer of music and song and and the prayer team that we have? What is the win for the Gospel of Mark in those departments? Yeah, no, I've definitely been rolling that around this last week and thinking, honestly, in a lot of similar ways that Kirk is feeling and thinking and and asking for us to go on this mission together. I think worship and prayer is is coupled with that in a lot of ways. You know, I think we're going to continue as worship teams and prayer teams to prayerfully pick songs and create moments for give people a chance to encounter God and worship and pray. Um, that, I don't think that'll change. But at the same time, I think there's a call for us to go outside of the Sunday gathering and outside of the walls of the church. And what does that look like in community and on mission together? And, and what could worship and prayer look like just as a lifestyle more than just a congregation time of singing? And it's a wonderful time and, I, and we will not stop doing that. But what does worship look like beyond the songs, beyond the Sunday gatherings? And I, I think of Mark 12, where it says, we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor likewise. And that, for me, that models a lifestyle of worship. And how do we do that with everything that we are? How do we go into our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools, and love God? And I think that is a form of worship, an act of worship, as we engage in the people around us and in those smaller communities, building times of confession and thanksgiving and prayer and worship together. It's just that is what I am excited for, for our, our church moving forward. Amen. Well, should we just build some tabernacles and, and move in and we'll all just do this for the rest of the time till Easter? No, we, we're going to uh, class dismiss. Give it up for these guys. Thank you for coming up. I love these guys. And um, 
I'm going to have you guys stand as I give vision for one more thing that we're going to do throughout this study of the Gospel of Mark. It's something that we try to do um, according to the commandments of the Word, which is to remember the, the cross, remember Christ's body and blood in the, the form of communion. And it really does give us a picture of the beginning, a picture of the Gospel, and a picture of the way. Because the beginning to the kingdom of God for your life is not good works. It is not that you uh, attended a Bible study and you got to know all the information and then you knew all your theology and then you did the right things. The beginning of the gospel, the beginning is a free gift. It is the body and the blood of Christ freely given in exchange for your life. The grace that God loves you because he loves you, not apart from anything that you could do, lest any one of us have anything to boast about. So the very beginning will be remembered every week as the ushers pass out the, the elements, the bread and the cup representing his body and his blood. And this is the good news. This is the good news that we can stand on every single week that we are accepted. We live outside of condemnation because we are in Christ. Our name is written in the book of heaven. And it also is the way. The way is the cross, the way forward in everything that we do. And the, the end of this study will be the cross, that he came to give his life a ransom for many. And I'll leave you with a quote that I often think of that will be good for us to think of as we go through the Gospel of Mark. It says, if you are a follower of Jesus, the cross will find you. And if the cross has not found you, you are not yet following Christ. And so as we remember the, the sacrifice that is made to get us here in the beginning, the good news that Jesus came and he died and he overcame sin and death and he gives us the freedom of a new creation life with him, we also remember that he says, follow me, that we hold in our hands not only the free gift, but we also hand in our, hold in our hands the call, the call to give our lives in whatever way he calls us to. And so we're going to do that week by week by week, remembering the beginning is the cross and the end is the cross.